Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the f- welcome to a joke time with Joey. Hello, everyone. Hi, Joey. Hello, my name is Joey, and I am your honorary uh, joke teller for this meeting. Um, starting off, Happy New Year, huh? Happy New Year. All right, got a joke for everyone. A blind man walks into a bar and a table and a door. And a staircase because he's blind. Okay, thank you. Okay, who, I did not, oh my God. (laughs) Well, that's a great, that sort of typifies 2020. What a great way to end the year. Thank you so much for that, Joey. Oi, welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group's Thursday Night Alcoholics in God Speaker Step Series. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name's Mike Chase. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start the meditation. It's a two-minute meditation, so please take a moment to get situated. Folks at home, turn off the treadmill, sit up straight, get comfortable. Those of you napping, wake up, get comfortable. It's going to be two minutes. Uh, This time, turn off all devices you're not watching. That's going to make noise and will distract others. That was basically here in the room, so we don't have beepers going off. If everybody could turn off your phones and put them on airport mode, too, so we don't have slow data streams. We take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay so stay focused on our step study tonight. So is everybody ready? Are the monks here? They're just walking in right now. So let's get started. Enjoy your time with God. We'll see you guys in a few minutes. The
If you'd like to join us in the Five Life Player, please just re- read along with us or follow us if you don't know it. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. From the big book, page 17, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out which we can absolutely agree and which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news the book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Will to come up and read Spiritual Experience Appendix 2. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have a spiritual experience. So we think it's kind of important to know what one is. Come on up, Will. Hello, my name is Will and I'm an addict. Spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring out recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational priority because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance of or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you very much, Will. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or baking cookies or jumping on a treadmill during the meeting while on Zoom. It's distracting to the folks who are paying attention. Um, Sit back and get ready for Joe's final session tonight. Um, He's only given us 11 sessions, but it's taken 13 magnificent weeks to get here. Um, Perfect, perfect speaker series for this 
COVID lockdown. It's given me everything that I've really needed, a lot more re-energized, a lot of the areas in my life that I needed to kick back into shape. And let's, uh, let's welcome back uh, Joe, and here's final session. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, everybody. It's good to be here tonight. Alcoholic named Joe. <clears throat> Wednesday night big book study group here in Pompano Beach is, or in Pompano Beach is my home group and been my home group for a long time. And uh, it's basically where I grew up. It's where I learned how to become a man and, you know, become uh, the person that I am today, hopefully, and, and becoming, right? Um, so, Michael, thank you for inviting me to do this. Uh, it's been an honor. And uh, it's really a privilege because it gives me an opportunity, gives anybody an opportunity to not only get up here and talk about what we've learned and uh, our experience, but it also gives us an opportunity to glorify the God who gave us this miracle, right? So a couple of things that I'm going to talk about, you know, it's been uh, one of those years, right? It's been a very tumultuous year, uh, full of anxieties and uncertainties and disappointments and tragedy and there's also been good things that have come about right and uh, we can't lose sight of those things and I think the most important thing Will and I were talking about it on the way here in spite of everything that's happened we're sober today we're here right we get an opportunity to to uh, you know continue down this path and um, help others and that's uh, you know that's such a gift um, so we're going, to, we're going to be talking about it tonight, right? How it works. What's the miracle? What's the, uh, what is the message? What, what is uh, carrying the message mean to all of us? And, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of different versions, but I'm going to tell you about what this message is to me, what it has meant to me. Um, I, uh, I came in as a Herbert Spencer. I was a skeptic. I was full of contempt. You know, I was full of sarcasm, and I was just one of those guys that was very ignorant, but pretended to be smart. You know, I was that guy that that, that wanted you to think of me a certain way, and, uh, you know, I, I felt I was winning at that for a while. I think, and I think that's because I think everybody was doing it. At least that's what it appeared to me. And whoever you were is probably somebody that you had concocted in your mind, just like me, you know, and um, it... Uh, so when when I got here, I was I was desperately trying to have you believe something about me that was not true. See, even when I got stopped, when I stopped drinking and drugging, I came in here and played the same exact thing. I mean, I was the same guy when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, on and off for sixteen years. The 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 isms, the things that we talk about that or that I talk about that were um, corroding me and rotting me from the inside out. Never stopped because I came to AA. Matter of fact, they got louder. You know, the internal condition, the, uh, the things that, that, that are uh, cultivated and, and harbored on the inside that um, destroy us. You know, they're always going to precede. The internal condition of shame, guilt, remorse, uh, regret, embarrassment, feeling like a loser and a failure... Uh, I talk about those things a lot because you know what? A lot of people can identify with that. I, 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 if, if there's anything that I talk about probably more than most, it's the brokenness that I suffer from. 
And uh, that brokenness carried right into Alcoholics Anonymous. And I didn't have any medication. I wasn't medicating that internal condition. That's, what, that's why booze and drugs were my solution, right? So I had become this guy, this imposter, and um, I desperately uh, uh, went about concealing my identity. And I, you know, come to think about it, I really didn't have a, an established identity. It was, always, it was always the actor. It was always the mask. And... Um, so I mean, one of the one of the biggest things that that I was hoping could happen by coming into Alcoholics Anonymous was that I didn't have to pretend anymore, you know, that I didn't have to be a fraud and a phony anymore, and that was not the case. It became very clear to me that I couldn't get me to where I wanted to go. I couldn't get me to the desired result of what I wanted to achieve in Alcoholics Anonymous. Besides, just stop drinking. And, um, you know, and then the teacher appeared, and, and they, they usually appear out of nowhere, and uh, it's at the right time, and it's come to meet a need, right? And um, so, I mean, I, I had become such a broken individual that the hopeless, the hopeless feature of this thing was, was, was uh, uh, deafening. It was just, you know, there's just no way that I'm going to be able to achieve what you people are talking about. I hear people talking about the message. I hear people talking about the spiritual awakening, the gift. And I, you know, I, it just seems so foreign to me, so outside the box of possibility to me. And, um, you know, we were talking and I was, uh, in a meeting Wednesday night, last night. And, uh, Something that jumped out at me, and it was in Bill's story, and um, you know, I was reading it today. This is what I studied this today for tonight, and I could tell you my story, but it this is my story. Bill's story is my story, and um, how could I possibly get me to a place? What what was I going to have to do? What was what was I going to have to achieve or do in order to? Uh, realize this thing that, they, that y'all were talking about, this fourth dimension of existence, this sixth sense, this um, recovered state. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, when I, when I got here, I just thought I was, attendance would do it. You know what I mean? I was always praying for, for the next stop that that would be the one, right? That, like maybe that halfway house would be the one. Maybe, maybe this treatment center, maybe, maybe this stop will do it. And it never did. So I was dialed into this network. You know, we all know that there's radio frequencies on, on in, in, in the air. You can't see them, right? You go change your radio and it changes the station. And John used to talk about being locked into a frequency that, was, that stood for WSFN. That was the station, right? And it stood for wanting something for nothing. I had become that guy that didn't want to work for anything. I didn't want to be responsible or accountable. I wanted people to do me. I wanted people to rescue me. That's who I wanted, right? I didn't want to have to invest a lot of time into the, and, and, or nor did I think that we, you would have to, to get this thing. I just uh, figured it was one of those things that's like, you know, uh, they wave a magic wand and, I, you know, like the dust comes down and all of a sudden it, it, you, you awaken. And um, Ebby Thatcher who, I'm sorry, Dr. Silkworth, 
mentions it in his opinion right up front. And there's some really, really critical information in here. If you uh, are out there in Zoom land and you know, you've been uh, struggling and, and, and really going through some difficult times trying to get this thing coming in and out, doing the detox and the retox uh, mode and um, just, can never, just can never quite get over the hump, it's probably because you're operating on the playbook that got you here. And that was who I was. I was very entrenched in this playbook that I had fabricated about how I needed to pursue life in order to be happy, in order to be successful, in order to be popular, in order to be applauded, all these things. This was my playbook, and I was not going to put that down for anybody. You're telling me i got to change. I can, do, I can do some of those things, but I'm going to bring my playbook in, and what I didn't know is I was contaminating the playbook that was actually going to succeed for me. So um, I was muddying the water, so they say. It says, uh, you know, you read this book and it's like, all of a sudden you see something that catches your attention. Last night that happened. It says, many years ago, this is Dr. Silkworth talking about, uh, in, in his opinion, it says, many years ago one of the leading contributors to this book came under our care in this hospital. And while here, he acquired some ideas, which he put into practical application at once. None of us come in that door of Alcoholics Anonymous with those ideas. None. We come in with our own ideas. We come in with our own philosophy of life. We come in with this, this, this uh, method or strategy or approach that we think might get us there, right, to a recovered state, to a uh, happy, happy, contented life. But none of us come in with the ideas that are going to save our life. None of us. Or we wouldn't be here. If we had those ideas, we'd probably put them, out, put, put them into action out there. It says, he came under our care in this hospital, and while here, he acquired some ideas which he put into practical application at once. Well, the, number, the, 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 the definition of acquirement is to make as one's own. So in other words, if I'm going to acquire something, whether it be a design for life, whether it be a recipe, it doesn't matter what it is. If I'm going to make it as my own, it's got to marry my existence. It's got to marry my experience, right? And I think that, you know, if, if, uh, if we didn't have this doctor's opinion, we'd be in deep doo-doo. That's the way I feel about it, because there's such critical, impactful information in here that would even motivate me or move me into a desire to seek a spiritual experience, right? Why would I want to do that? Why would I even want to talk about that? I was, I was busy evading talking about spiritual and God matters because I didn't want to consider my own darkness. You talk about God, i got to think about my darkness. right? i got to think about my sin. i got to think about the bone-crushing agony that I go through on the inside that I'm trying to cover up on the outside. Talk about God. That just convicts me to feel bad. right? It says, um, to get on with... To get, um, to get as one's own, and then it says to, to gain one's own, to, let's see, it says acquired, to, to gain by one's own efforts. So acquiring means to gain by one's own efforts, which means I got to do something, right? So the information in here gives me, gives me that ammunition, it gives me that information, 
where I can say that's exactly what happened to me. Right? Dr. Silkworth talks about, you know, the allergy and the obsession, and I had to have allergy explained to me. You know, this abna- this hypersensitive action that, that takes place when you ingest uh, food, a beverage, or a substance, right? And uh, the, he talked about the phenomenal craving. Now it's not, phen- I mean, it was, he, he talked about things like theories and phenomenons, but it's not that any longer, is it? It's actually fact. So though the, the information that he got in, that Bill got in Towns Hospital about those things, were able to have Bill own what was going on with him. From somebody else. So Bill didn't come into town. He didn't go to his third detox with those ideas. Ebby Thatcher visited him in the hospital and brought him in this uh, simple religious idea followed by a practical program of action. Those ideas, those are the ideas that Bill, that Bill acquired. Those are the ideas that Bill took from Ebby, put into practice, did them, right? Took him on, made him as his own, and Bill got sober. He had a spiritual experience. So I think that's fascinating that you know that Silkworth would even would even say that. Um, Practical application. He put him into practical application at once. So there was no procrastination. There wasn't any laziness. I mean, if you're going down for the last gasp, right, then you're going to take some action. And that's basically where I had to get to. I had to get to a breath of death before I would actually take the right action. I, where, where I didn't have questioning, where I didn't have debate or argument. Because I was always full of that stuff. I always wanted to be the skeptic with you. Says, um, he says, later he requested the privilege of being allowed to tell a story to other patients here, and with some, mis- uh, some misgiving, we consented. The cases we have followed through have been most interesting. In fact, many of them are amazing. The unselfishness of these men, if we have come to know them, the entire absence of profit motive, and their community spirit is indeed inspiring to one who has labored long and wearily in this uh, alcoholic field. Silkworth was really, he was a humble man, you know, and, and he really loved the alcoholic, and he loved helping people that were going through this torment. But he couldn't get them where he, he couldn't get them there. He could get them undrunk and undrugged and detoxed, but there was no solution. There was no place else to go from that point forward. So it's kind of like go out and fare forth in your high hopes with your own ideas. Right? No practical application, no set of, you know, nothing. So, um, it says this, it says they believe in themselves and still more in the power. They believe in themselves, of course, but, but still more in the power which pulls chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. If you're a real alcoholic and you've been through it and you, and you get to that point, you know that there's no more human, there's no human power that can do this thing. That it has to be acquired some other way, Right? And he goes on to say this. This is on the first, uh, the first page. It says, in the, he, first of all, he looked at Bill and he regarded him as a hopeless alcoholic, apart from divine help. What that simply means is, is that if, if God's not involved, you're going to be dead. Right? You're going to go down. 
It says, in the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas. So there it is again. He acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present these conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them they must still do, they must do likewise with still others. So like, right up front, if you've been struggling with this thing, wherever you are tonight, there's a reason you're struggling. You need to acquire these certain ideas. You've got to make them as your own. If, you're not, if you can't get in past step one, you're certainly not going to take step two. And they can't be your own ideas. So Bill goes on in his story and he hits a few bottoms and things are getting worse, just like me. And uh, I was just, I was just uh, an outcast from my family. I was a dark topic of conversation. I was really like a, a really unfortunate necessity to have to talk about in my family. And I, had a, I have a wonderful family. But it's a shame when, you know, the only darkness that influences that family is you. Where nothing nice is being said, right? Nothing uh, positive is being said. Trust is being completely ripped out of their hearts. And um, so, and, and so the, you know, I don't know who's Ebby. Who, who's your Ebby? I had an Ebby. <laughs> Everybody's going to have an Ebby. Right? You're going to meet them. Either you meet them or, or her you know, in the beginning, or you see them coming down the road. But you'll see that person where you said there's no way in the world they're going to get sober. There's no way that that person, Bill used to say, you know, he had commented in his writings that if he got as bad as Ebby, he would have, you know what I mean? He would have probably stopped drinking, right? But here's Ebby going through the Oxford movement, and uh, which is a... Uh, uh, first century Christian re- uh, spiritual regeneration movement back in that day. And they, uh, they studied the Bible, and um, they had a, a practical program of action. It was certain admission, right? And then you, then you had to do some stuff. Well, Ebby was in it for two months, 60 days, right? Remember when Will was reading Spiritual Experience? It says what often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years or seldom. There's the timeline. It doesn't, listen, today's model, today's, today's conversation is, you know, don't worry about that book, we'll worry about that in a year from now. Or, you know, just don't drink, go to meetings, don't even worry about that thing. Like it's going to confuse us. Like it's going to harm us, right? Back then, there was none of that, right? They were going down, they knew they were going to die. And it was a very, of urgent matter. It says, um, so he hears Bill's plight and he goes and, he calls Bill and he, he goes over to his house and says the door opened and he stood there fresh skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? That captivated Bill. That impacted him in a really serious way. It's almost like, you know, if, if you see somebody that, uh, I mean, I can imagine if, if somebody was confined to, like if they were paralyzed or something, and the next time you see them, they're walking around. Death to life. Death to life. And it says, um, so Bill is questioning him, and down at the bottom it says, um, 
In a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had appeared in court persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. They had told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was the Oxford Movement, the Six Tenets. So those are the certain ideas, aren't they? Those are the certain ideas that Bill got from M.B. Thatcher that saved Bill's life. It's the same certain ideas that will save everybody's life that comes into Alcoholics Anonymous. The problem is getting rid of your own ideas to, to try them on. Getting rid of that playbook, that, that thing that has to be burned to the ground with booze and drugs. It's the only thing that booze and drugs must do. It's got to beat us so badly that we go to the, we get to that place where we go, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know how to live anymore. I, don't know how, you know, I, I can't make decisions anymore. I want to die. So they had told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was two months ago, and the result was self-evident. He's looking at me going, I can't believe this. It says it worked. It says this about, it says this next. He'd come to pass his experience along to me, carry the message, if I cared to have it. I was shocked, but interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be, for I was hopeless. So, when we get to the cornerstone where in there's a solution, or I'm sorry, in uh, We Agnostics where it talks about the cornerstone of this spiritual structure that we're building, the arch through which we build it through the step work and, and uh, walk free men and women. It says uh, the cornerstone is this, they get to this place where, we, where we're asked, do I now believe or am I at least willing to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity? That's step two. I mean, we, we've got to wrap our heads around, this is where we're going. This is where AA's taking me. If I'm, out, if I'm okay with that, I do want to live. I'm dying. I do want to live, right? Then I'm going to be okay with that. Why would there be any debate or argument about it? But there is, isn't there? All the time. Matter of fact, we'll say, look, you know, we've got a, a, a the, the program will give you unbelievable possibilities. Just unbelievable. You, you can't even imagine your life. And then you get to the God thing. And say, oh, no, I don't want to talk about that. Listen, there's no place else for us to go, is there? So that's the cornerstone. Being willing to believe. And that, for me, was huge. You know, I, I came in here Catholic agnostic an agnostic Catholic. I was just completely without knowledge or understanding of God at all. I mean, I knew, I knew some things. I was taught about him. You know, I went to Sunday school and all that stuff. But I never developed a relationship with him. I call it, my, my, my love affair was horizontal with the world. Whatever the world had in it, that's what I wanted. I wanted stuff. I wanted, I wanted all that stuff. All, that, all the instinctual um, addictions went along with me. You know, more money, more property, prestige, fame, sex, glory, the whole nine. That was, my, that was what I saw was the only solution to an unease and a discomfort in my life. And I had that for a long time, right? So, vertical approach. So these ideas, these certain ideas, this is a, this is a, this is a concept that's so f- foreign that you, I'm going to go vertical, I thought I went vertical. I thought I acknowledged God. I thought I was good with God. Well, God probably didn't think I was much good with Him, right? 
the way I was living my life. So I needed to develop a relationship. Talks about that in here too. It says, um, this is what Ebby was saying to Bill. But my friend sat before me and he made the point blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. Anybody that's sitting in here sober can remember the days, the days and weeks before you got here. Home, Zoom, wherever you're at. We can remember those, those, th- that bone-crushing loneliness and that, that desperation that we all went through that we couldn't figure it out. We couldn't get us there, right? And um, so, I mean, to be able to acknowledge that there's some kind of power working in my life, that's not that much of a leap, I don't think, until the ego kicks back in and we start patting ourselves on the back. And that's what happens. The, the, the recuperative powers of the ego are just unbelievable. It says, um, God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Took step one. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead. Suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he'd ever known. Anybody that's on this journey knows that deal. They, they can relate to that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people that, that, that will come in and, and settle. right? They'll do just enough to get them by. They enjoy mediocrity and scarcity, and they're okay with it. That's fine you know, if, that's, if that's what you want. But that's not, the, that's not the awakening they're talking about. They're talking about something with unlimited possibility where self-imposed limitations don't exist anymore, right? It says, uh, had this power originated in him? Well, did the ideas, those certain ideas, originate in him? No, right? It says, obviously, it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute, and this was none at all. That floored me. It began to look as though religious people were right after all. Here was something at work in the human heart which had done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. Never mind the musty past. Here sat a miracle directly across the table, the kitchen table. He shouted great tidings, so the evidence was right in front of him. He could, he, you know what I mean? And, and, and that, that had to be... And, you know, we'll come into AA, and we'll see all kinds of evidence. We'll see... People all over the place that are evidence of this power, but in some way, in some in, in our mind, we make it not so. We delegitimize it, like it can't happen to me. So, got to pick up those ideas. So you know, there there, there comes a point in AA uh, when you're coming in here and you're getting exposed to it, and you're beginning on this journey. So, like, there's got to be a time. Like when you see the evidence in front of you, and you got to stop pretending not to know it. Right? What are we pretending not to know? What is it that we're pretending not to know? That it can work for them and not for me? That God is inclusive, not exclusive? You know what I mean? It's like, when do I take that leap? So they're having a little conversation, and... Um, they're getting a little argument, a little heated, right? Because when 
when Ebby told Bill that he had gotten religion, it really backed Bill up. Bill thought it was an altar call. He thought he was going to come trying to do an altar call with him and get him saved and this kind of thing. You know, we're, Listen, when somebody talks to us about a spiritual anything, our mind only goes to what we can recall you know, th- of what we had. It can't make up stuff that we don't know. So our minds go to, I know what that's all about. And that's just proclaiming the right to be ignorant because I really don't know what it's all about. <laughs> if I did, I might be in a little bit better situation than I am right now. But uh, so Ebby finally uh, saw this in Bill, saw the argument. And uh, he goes, look, Bill, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Conception simply means the beginning of your understanding, the beginning of your knowledge of, right? A conception is like the uh, origin of your understanding of God, in this case, right? It doesn't, doesn't mean that it's not going to evolve. doesn't mean it's not going to you know, profoundly change, which it will. But there's some starting point. There's usually a starting point for it. And that's what a conception is. It's the beginning of something. It says, um, so he went from religion to spirituality, right? He took the, he took the religiosity out of it, the need to identify with a specific religion. And he went to, uh, uh, from the um, conception to the relationship, right? From a conception to a relationship. So in other words, it started somewhere, and then he, got, he, he, could, he could start building it from there. Um, and here's what Bill says. And listen, the reason I'm doing this is because it's so all of us if you've done this program. If you've worked these programs and implemented this design, this is our story. This is the message, right? It says uh, For Bill, it says, it was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. And he's not saying I'm going to camp out there or I'm going to park there for you know a couple of years. He's just saying, I, I, you know, he became open, didn't he? Became open-minded and became willing to believe. And the main motivator, remember, he was dying. He didn't have much to lose. He didn't have anything to lose, right? John used to say to me, "How well is what you've been doing working out for you, Joe? You know, how how well is that working out?" It wasn't. So then, Bill, in his hospital room, right, in detox is going through this stuff with Ebby, and here's what it says. It says, let me just read this first. It says, upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. Thus I was convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him bad enough. Or there's a really, really good reason, right? Usually that's the foxhole prayer, but not in this situation. It says, at long last I saw... I felt, I believed. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. All of our prejudice, all of our contempt and skepticism come from what we know. It's what we know. Right? It's what we know that's killing us. It's what we don't know is going to save our life. What am I pretending not to know? Right? It says, the real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, I needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me. And he came. Isn't that amazing? It says, but soon the sense of his presence 
recuperative powers of the ego. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors. They say the fundamental idea of God is deep down within us. It may be obscured by pomp, by worship of other things, by calamity, by all kinds of stuff, right? Instincts of character, gone awry. But in some form or other it is there. So it doesn't go anywhere. It's just covered up. It's choked off. That's why they say they talk about choked off from the sunlight of the spirit. And it says, uh, most of these things were within myself. And so it had been ever since. How blind I had been. At the hospital, I was separated for alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise because I showed signs of delirium tremens. Here's what it says. Now, you want to know where our 12 steps come from? This is our 12 steps. This is the message. It says, um, while in that hospital room, there I humbly offered myself to God. As I then, under, as I then understood God, un- understood him, to do with me as he would, I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. Sounds a lot like step three to me, right? I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing. That is a pure expression of humility. It's a pure expression of I'm human, I need God, and I know who God is, and I know what my limitations are. That's what it is, right? I don't go out and I don't go out and try to act humble or act modest. That's an expression of the heart. It's the language of the heart, isn't it? You don't have to say a word, really. So, um, so uh, let's see here. It says, um, and I love this last part of it. It says, "I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing." that without him I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away root and branch. It sounds like six and seven to me, right? <clears throat> and what also it says here, I made a little note, I placed myself unreservedly. Key words, right? Unreservedly. No picking and choosing, no conditions, no reservations, unreservedly. It's just like saying earnestly and, 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 and sincerely. It makes a distinction with, with the, 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 the language, doesn't it? It says, um, I placed myself unreserved, unreservedly under his care. It didn't say beside his care or over his care. It said under his care. Bill is literally putting God in his rightful place. And he's submitting, right? He is actually saying, you know, there is, a, there is a power, and your name is God, and then, you know what, that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to uh, conduct my life as if that's the, that's the way it is. That's, that's the chain of events. That's like the food chain, so to speak. It says, um, I have not had a drink since. So he humbly asks him, right? And he uses humility as his guide in 6 and 7. I don't know if you guys caught that or not, but when it says humbly ask him to remove my shortcomings, that, that's, a, that's a big difference between asking him. Do you understand that? It's like humbly asking him is, absol- is absolute certainty in Bill's mind that there is no way for me to get rid of me without his aid. There's no way for me to get rid of 
lust or greed or pride or sloth or ego or any of that stuff without his aid. I can't can't get rid of that stuff, right? says, my schoolmate visited me, and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. We made a list of people I had hurt and toward whom I felt resentment. Sounds like step four and five to me. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals, admitting my wrong. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. Steps eight and nine. Okay. I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within. This new design that I've implemented into my, into my heart, into a new constitution that will govern my life. These are the boundaries that I've set. These are the principles that I'm going to operate by. And this is, this is who I am today, right? So now he's going to test that. And that's why it says continue to take personal inventory. And when we're wrong, promptly admit it. If you look deeper in 10, it's, the, it's 4 through 9 all the time. It's taking inventory, talking with people about it, committing to change, asking God for help, and making amends where necessary. That is the design. That's the message. So that is step 10. And then it says, I was to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet, to meet my problems as he would have me. Meet my problems as he would have me. How, do, how many of us tried to bombard our problems the way we thought we needed to bombard them? I still do it today. I still get caught up. I still run blind sometimes. I still go out there with the unaided strength and the unaided will. But I know it. I, as soon as the consequence hits, consequence hits I, I know it. So it says, um, okay, it says this, as he would have me. So never was I to pray for myself except as my requests bore on my usefulness to others. I can pray for myself if other people will benefit. Make sense? It says, um, then, I'm going to read that again. It says, never was I to pray for myself only, except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. So the, the spiritual truth of receiving is in the giving, is right there. It's a whole, it's, it's such a, a, a radical departure from the way Bill was, the way we all were. I mean, I can look back over my life when I was trudging up and down that road out there. And it's, it's, it's like a different life. It's like a different reality. So, that is the message. So it says this, my friend promised when these things were done I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator. I know what my story is. Do you know what your story is? Right? That I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems, not just my alcohol problem. Belief in the power of God plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. It's a message. This message is what we carry. This is the hope. This is the miracle. This is the caterpillar to the butterfly. This is the, you know, th- th- this is a spiritual pair of glasses that we're given. Freedom. Freedom. It says, uh, 
And, you know, Wednesday night, you remember Wednesday night, we always just had that overhead up there. Are you ready to give up who you become so that you can become who you can be? Price has to be paid, right? A price has to be paid. And Bill goes into that right here. It says, simple, but not easy. A price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. I must turn in all things to the Father of light who presides over us all. These were revolutionary and drastic proposals, but the moment I fully accepted them, the effect was electric. There was a sense of victory, followed by a peace and a serenity I'd never known. There was utter confidence. I felt lifted up as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. God comes to most men gradually, but his impact on me was sudden. I get goosebumps thinking about this. So the new playbook has been established for Bill Wilson, and it's a playbook with certain ideas that was carried to him by Ebby Thatcher. It's the same playbook and the same certain ideas that were carried to us when we got put in this book. Right? Completely giving ourselves to this simple program. It's just, it's so... <laughs> God, you know, why do people have to complicate this thing? Why did I have to complicate it? You know, it's, I, I guess, you know, I, I look back on my life and I, you know, I see all the, all the uh, struggle after I got exposed to AA and tried to get stopped and stay stopped. And, you know, the, the um, I guess it was just necessary, wasn't it? You know, we talked about the silversmith refining, the guy refined silver. Remember we talking about that? Well, he'll get that thing up to a boiling point, big old smelting pot, come in, label, ladle off the crud, and every so often he'll come in and do it again and do it again until he sees his reflection in the in the pot. It's kind of like what God does with us here, right? There's going to be a point where he's going to come in and he's going to see himself in you. There's going to be a point where you're going to go out there in the world and in AA, and people are going to see his reflection in you. They're going to hear him in you. I don't care what anybody tells you. That is the most fulfilling, empowering, enlightening thing in my life, and I know for others too, that, that a human being could have. So that is good news, and that is the message. And it says um, down at the bottom of that page, it says, my friend, Ebby, had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly, was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead. And how appallingly true for the alcoholic, for if an alcoholic fails to uh, perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead. Indeed. With us, it was just like that. So I told you in the very beginning that there was two dates that were crucial in my, in my story. One was September of 2002, and the other was October of 2014. And this... There's another part in, in the book, but this, this is really what speaks to what happened to me. Um, 2014, I was on top of the world. I was you know, involved. I was doing a lot of stuff. And, 
but I, I had developed this pain in my side. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was, I thought it was a condition called diverticulitis that I had had for a long time. I just didn't, you know, I just, you know, I dieted and everything was fine. But it started to really be painful, and I went to the doctor, and after three CAT scans, he saw that I had an abscess about the size of a baseball on my colon. He says, it's imminently going to burst, blah, 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 i got to go have surgery, and this and that and the other. Well, so I go into the emergency room, and I have an 11-and-a-half-hour surgery. I come out with a colostomy bag. I come out with, I mean, it was a mess. I was a mess my whole life. I just, and this can happen to us. I mean, we don't know, if we don't take care of ourselves, the things come back. For me, it did. You know, my lifestyle was, was poor. My diet stunk. I didn't have a diet, you know. And um, when I woke up in ICU, uh, I was in really bad shape. And for the next six months, I underwent a couple more surgeries. And I guess God just loved me enough to keep me confined in a hospital most of that time. But there was a very small window, a very small window, um, that I could have called and rallied the, the support and the people that I needed to come to my bedside and start monitoring my, medica- my medica- medication input intake, whatever they call it, or watch the clock. That's what I did. And uh, consequently got strung out on opiates, and um, it was a nightmare. But here's the thing. Looking back, it was probably one of the best spiritual experiences I've ever had because I was able to identify some things where I had really started to lack nourishment, especially in the spiritual area. I had gotten a major resentment with my church because of certain circumstances. I was looking at all the hypocrites. The hypocrite looking at the hypocrite. That was me, right? And um, so that weakened me. Had a resentment. Didn't want to go to church. Well, who's, who's affected by that? Me, right? And um, I was doing a lot of speaking. Remember? And uh, I got this attitude as that resentment started to fester that, man, I don't feel like teaching. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like being a student anymore. Just, I'm just going to do this. You know, I mean, my attitude wasn't such where I made a, a declaration that, hey, I'm not going to be a student anymore. I'm just going to. No, it was just very subtle. It was this attitude of not seeking to improve my relationship, not seeking to, you know, find out what I don't know, right? To grow. And um, that's what happened. You know, I didn't, have the, I didn't have the wherewithal to meet that calamity. Um, thank God, because most people don't come back from that. Not if they've been in AA for a while. I had 13 years sober, and I, I was really doing a lot of right stuff, but I was doing some wrong stuff too. Or not doing some wrong stuff. I just wasn't doing enough of the right stuff. And um, God said, no. That's not what I got you sober for. I mean, I just can I can imagine if I could have a conversation with him, that that's what it would be. No, I didn't no, I, <laughs> that's not why we went through all this. Right? And um, you know, the shame and the guilt and the remorse and the embarrassment and you know, all that stuff was that it was there because I was gonna have to face my 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 brothers and sisters in AA in the community. But I got to the point that last day in the hospital, after six months. That I, it all went out the window. I didn't care. You know, I didn't care. And uh, so that started the journey back through detox and treatment and getting back up on a horse and riding. 
So, you know, if you're having um, hesitations or you're worried about things that you might have to do coming up, like knee surgeries or back surgeries or what have you, you best prepare because if you don't, you're not going to be. You're just not going to be prepared. It's the best thing to do is to uh, expose it, right? Um, I had about that much of a window, that much. And usually, usually, the obsession leads the allergy, doesn't it? The mind tells the body, and the body follows. That's not how it happened. It happened to me on a table, and the obsession came upon me. I don't encourage anybody to go out and try to find that out, but that's that's what happened. And uh, but I'm 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 very grateful. I'm I'm grateful for all of that. That was just part of that fire. You know what I mean? And uh, nobody grows in good times, calm times, smooth times. We grow in adversity. And the closer I, the more I get in adversity, the more the more challenges like this past year the more I reach out to the God of my understanding. My God loves me. He adores me, and I adore him. And uh, he's all I think about. You know, he's all I think about. What is the message? What am I going to carry? That. Right? So, thanks for letting me be here. Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, be safe. A lot of rookies out there. Let's give Joe another round of applause, please. Thank you, Joe, so much. Oops. Closing. Let's have a secretary's report, and, secretary's report, and that is Mr. Joey again. Hello, everyone. I am uh, Joey, your recovered alcoholic secretary. Hi, Joey. Hello. All right. In keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. The baskets are going around in here, but for everyone in Zoom and Facebook land, never forget... um, 2020, um, hard times for everyone. The vid, it's a thing. Um, it has affected a lot, uh, AA greatly. Um, um, they are using, they have been using the prudent reserves at this time. So AA, you can go to aa.org or, um, your local intergroup, um, website to give online. That's a great way to give and help support the beautiful program that has helped uh, so many. All right. At this time, I've asked um, the beautiful man, the myth, the legend, the Mark, to come read the recovered statement. We, we read, oh, sorry, we read this uh, before every meeting, and Mark's going to tell us more. Thank you. Hey, guys. I'm Mark. I'm a recovered alcoholic. Glad to be back here. A little stint with COVID over the last month. So, um, recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic 
centers in his mind rather than his body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Mark. All right. 1940-style big book sponsorship from forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sobered once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate. At this time, I'm going to ask a show of hands of recovered alcoholics. Pop them up. Thank you. And now I'm going to ask anyone that needs a sponsor um, in the Zoom room, please put your hands up. And all you recovered alcoholics, please reach out to them. um, And let's get these folks back to God. Um, This is the last meeting of the month and the year. Hey, yo. Um, Anyone celebrating a year or more, um, good for you. I'm proud of you. Um, if that means anything, but at this time, um, we, we aren't doing celebrations, the COVID. So please go out and, um, celebrate by passing it on and getting a sponsee and being that vessel of God, please. All right. Um, a reminder, please join us every Monday night. We got a great time doing, we start into the wise people are like, what's that chapter? It's in the back. It's great. We're um, excited for that um, after, right, to the wives? To the wives. wives. It's going to be a good time. Looking forward to that. Myself, um, yeah. Fellowship starts at 630 in the Zoom room. Um, Come in, enjoy the slideshow. It's great great times. And this big book study starts at 715. We have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries for sale uh, go to your local intergroup, say hello to them, and contribute that way. Before we adjourn, if I, if I may, um, we have a tradition here for everyone that's contributed their time um, to a step series, as Joe Bear has, the beautiful vessel of God. Um, he's, he's, he's really uh, been a treat. I've seen him... Uh, I've been seeing him speaking since I first came to the rooms 2011, and the journey and the work he's done with God and uh, other alcoholics has been inspiring, and uh, he's been, uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying this series, and we are going to miss him. We have a mug for you, Joe. Um, right here, Joe. <laughs> this, is, this is a uh, prize alcoholics primary purpose group mug. Nice. <laughs> China, huh? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, only the finest. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Joe. Um, and we have um, starting Jersey Bell starting for the first meeting, first Thursday meeting of 20, January 7, 2021. Looking forward to her from Jersey. Um, yeah, so thank you, guys. We meet every Thursday, starting promptly at 7.15. We ask you to be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you all. See you next week. Thank you, Joey, and, and thank you, Joe, for uh, a three-month commitment that has definitely helped us and many other people. Dun, dun.
Um, I'd like to invite everyone again to that Monday. Oops, take this thing off. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night's big book study. Uh, those who wish to thank the speaker, just form a line down the middle of the room or send them a Zoom hello. Also, check out his home group, the Wednesday night study group, which meets on Wednesday nights. Up in, uh, it's a Zoom room, too, right? You shoot that to him. We can put that in the sidebar if somebody wants to go check that out. Uh, what do you say we close with the Lord's Prayer? Who's going to bring us from shame to grace? Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We'll see you guys next year. Drive safely. Watch out for the amateurs. Thank God. Thank you, Joe. We'll see you guys later. Appreciate it. Heart is heavy. Soul is thirsty. Body is aching. It doesn't matter
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Now, growing vines, they 
twist and turn each way Flowers blooming all the time Outside my door Never before I had to change everything To realize That today is the best day of my life this broken man I travel Far and wide Through the great divide Through his own heart Yeah Just about as long. So I face each day in a brand new way. Show up and plug in my guitar. And I play my songs. And people sing along. And stomp their feet and raise their arms. And here in this moment that we share. song is. God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye. I think you know this one, don't you?
Thank you very much.